The microbiome has become a healthcare buzzword in recent years. It's the collective name for the genetic material within all of the body's microorganisms and has been hailed by one consultancy as healthcare's most promising and lucrative frontier. This is the world in which Optibiotics operates. The life sciences company was founded in 2012 and listed on AIM in 2014 with a market cap of around £6 million on admission. Today, it is valued at around £70 million. Optibiotics develops compounds and formulations for use in food ingredients and supplements, which work to modify the human microbiome, aiming to prevent and manage chronic conditions including obesity, high cholesterol and diabetes. Optibiotics says it is currently in the process of shifting from being a research and development company to becoming a commercial business. The IC looked at Optibiotics in a June feature titled Sink or Swim, Small Cap Shares for the Speculative Investor. At the time, we found reasons to be positive about its future, but we just couldn't ignore the lack of any forecasts given by the company or its housebroker. But is there more to the investment case? Were we being overly cynical? I'm Harriet Klarfeldt, and in today's Boardroom Talk podcast, I'll be talking to Stephen O'Hara, founder and chief executive of Optibiotics. Stephen, thanks very much for joining me. Good morning, Harriet. So, Stephen, it seems to make sense to start with forecasts. We know that for the year to November 2017, sales were around £191,000, down from 288000 the previous year. But you haven't provided any future financial guidance. It's understandable that some investors would be put off by that apparent level of uncertainty. How would you respond to those concerns? I think it's a good question. And um, I think as a uh, AIM company, you have to be honest with investors. And as you alluded to in your introduction, we are moving from a a phase where we were developing the technology to a phase where we're commercialising the technology. And we started that in May of last year. We launched our first product in, in Europe in September. We launched in the U.S., uh, since 2017, we've had 19 deals, nine deals in the last um, four months. So the process you have to follow is you have to build the science, build the IP, build the manufacturing, and then build the deals, and those deals turn to revenue. At this particular stage, um, because we've only struck the deals in the last 12 months or so, um, we, we, we don't have a trade in history. So I always believe that if you give a forecast, you have to give a reliable forecast. And given we haven't got a trading history because we're in a a new area, the microbiome, we're dealing with new companies who are creating new products in this this area. So there's there's no history behind uh, microbiome products. And that's the the challenge of being a, a leader in the field. It's, um, it's very difficult to give a forecast that are, that are realistic. So we've given indication to investors in terms of the deals we are striking, um, typically a quarter million to half a million for the smaller deals. And for larger deals, they'll be over, um, over a million. Um, and some of these deals, for example, with some of the retailers that we're speaking to, will be approaching five, six million. And with those sort of deals, you know, they are... They are bivalent. They'll either happen or won't happen. So, you, so it's very difficult to give a sensitivity analysis. So in, in summary, it's too early to give a, an accurate forecast. And my nature is not to, not to guess. OK. And, and just in terms of that recent deal flow, um, would you say that's really the main driver of the share price momentum in, in the past month or so? I can see that the shares are around 83p today, and that's up sort of 30% in the, in the past month. I mean, is it just deal momentum and, and which specific deals, if so? Yeah, I think there's 
there's been a, a lot of interest in optibiotics. And what's been driving that, as you alluded to, is a large number of deals. And even more importantly, those deal sizes are, are increasing. We, we've got the deals, so the process is getting those deals. Now we have to deliver revenues from those deals. So a focus for the next six months is making sure we deliver revenues from those deals. And um, just touching on two of the more recent deals, I think both of them were for your Sweet Biotics product. Um, I believe one of them was with a, with a global dairy company. What is the certainty of those deals completing? A number of those deals have revenues already attached to them in terms of um, an ongoing payment for exclusivity. So we get some revenues from uh, from them. In terms of those converting into products which um, then have um, global reach, um, there's always uncertainty when you work with a, a, a global corporate because things can change very, very rapidly. And as part of our process, this goes back to the point I made about, about forecasts. It's part of our focus to make sure that you know, striking deals is the, is the start of, of, the, uh, of the process in terms of generating revenues. It's not the end of the process. So our focus going forward is to make sure all those deals um, start to live in on, on revenues. And we build a team to grow those revenues. And we grow those revenues across different application areas and across different territories. Okay, that's interesting. Just just moving on to cash burn, I think at last count, you said it was around $85,000 per month and you expected to be self-financing by the end of 2018. Yeah. First, I suppose I wanted to check whether that was still accurate. Yeah, it is still accurate. So you, you probably aware that we raised $1.5 million a month or two ago. Yeah. And that was largely to, to, to recognise the interest that we have in a number of areas. First of all, in the pharmaceutical area, where we have potential to take one of our products, LPRDL, into, into pharma. Now, I don't want to do that myself, but I'm happy to license the technology to a pharma company who can take that, that forward. And that has potential for a, a seven-figure um, sum if we, 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 we achieve that. And also, we have a lot of interest from from retailers and some of the largest supermarkets in this country uh, and they require docking of the of the shelves and investment in uh, in publicity <clears throat> to drive footfall and we raise money for that but our so we have sufficient funds we have over um, 2.2 2.3 million cash um, and our burn is still around about 85k per per month with about 60k of that fixed so about 25k of that is, is variable in terms of um, ip development costs etc Right. Okay. Well, actually, my next question was going to be whether you anticipate needing to go back to the market anytime soon to raise more funds. No, I think you have to be careful as a as a company. You have to. I indicated when I went out for funds, uh, I was offered more than I, I took, and so we always look to get a um, interest. And actually, part of that interest is then materialised in those groups buying shares on the market, which helped to drive the, the share price. But the key thing, raising funds is easy. Creating value from those funds is the difficult bit. So you have to focus very much on value creation. So we take, we only take money from the market when we believe we've got an ability to create value from that. And the best example of that is probably skin biotherapeutics, mm. where two years or so ago, I was offered a, a million pounds uh, EAS fund. I turned it down initially until I could develop the opportunity for skin biotherapeutics. We um, acquired the IP for, um, for Manchester University for a quarter million, put £450,000 into that. So 
Um, that valued the company at around about um, half a million. We then listed it on the stock market, and today its valuation is around about 18 million. And of course, we have 42% of that. So that's spending money wisely, where we put in, in essence, around about £700,000. And our, our percentage return on, on skin biotherapeutics is about 7.5 million. Right. I mean, touching on skin biotherapeutics again, I mean, You've kind of explained a bit about about the rationale behind spinning that out, but um, I think that's probably something that investors are looking at quite closely. And I think you've also mentioned in recent results that you would consider doing the same thing for other parts of the business in due course. So um, I suppose, what's the end game there? What is that really bringing to investors in terms of benefits? So you sort of got a sense of where my focus is, is building value. I just gave a very quick example of skin biotherapeutics of where we invested £700,000 and we got a stake now worth £7.5 million. So that's created a large um, asset value, um, which looking at the the position um, skin biotherapeutics is in, just looking to start um, clinical studies in September of this year, that has potential to um, to double or even triple. So I think the big opportunity there. So the end game is creating value, but also diversifying risk. And so just sort of to, to refresh uh, people's memory in terms of the strategy, we build up a, a, a part of the business. If that's non-core, so for example, if we look at um, skin biotherapeutics, that's a pharmaceutical play. Um, we've identified the opportunity. We build up to a point where it has sufficient value put on the stock market. Um, it can be capitalized by um, funds which it raises itself which doesn't dilute um, um, optimistic shareholders and it can develop expertise in that area which people in optimistic don't have and bring in um, the experts in the field, grow the value as it's done, that then gives optimistics as a significant shareholder in that business, 42%, the opportunity to take some of that value at a point in time and return that to shareholders. Right, and I mean you you mentioned the sort of early stage that Skin Biotherapeutics is is at, so I'm assuming there there's no financial guidance in the market for, for that business either. No, 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 it's got no commercial deals. Uh, so throughout September and a bit of October, they will be performing clinical studies on their product and that creates potential if that is successful in terms of the uh, clinical studies for large value uplift. And just in terms of um, the sort of longer term plan, I mean, it, it almost sounds to me like you would become a, a sort of listed fund in a way running lots of having stakes in lots of different aim listed businesses is that sort of the end game and is it a case of you thinking that the sum of the parts is greater than the whole i believe the sum of the parts is greater than the than the whole and we've sort of demonstrated that with skin biotherapeutics when we acquired skin biotherapeutics and even when we listed it on the stock market uh, initially it wasn't really a great impact in terms of the share price now people have seen the value coming coming through but the, the, the key element uh, is that we built a company which is focused on the, uh, on the microbiome. Skin is a, another element of that, which focuses on the skin microbiome. That's non-core. We'll list other divisions as they grow and are suitable for, uh, for listing. Um, but our, our principal focus is creating uh, our microbiome modulators and our sweet biotics and our what we call optibiome division, which the first is slim biome. So they, that, that has potential to, to really be a, a sniffing of business in its own right. Mm. So um, we, can, we can build these businesses and we can reinvest some of the, um, the value we create by appreciating assets um, and back into the business so it doesn't dilute shareholders. And um, just thinking about the wider market opportunity, 
who else out there is doing what you're doing? Or would you say that your offering in the microbiome market is niche enough that there's a unique space for you out there? I think we are very focused. I think we are ahead of the game. So investors will be aware that in February and March, I spent a lot of time in the US speaking to a lot of the global corporates. Um, I spent a lot of um, April in Europe speaking to global corporates. And it's clear to me that there's nobody else out there working in the same area that we're working in and with the same level of science and the the stage of the science. Okay, that's really interesting. I mean, um, I suppose for me, a quick search um, for the word microbiome among, among UK listed companies did throw up a couple of names. So um, I think we've spoken about 4D Pharma before, yeah. but there's also PureTech Health and um, Microbiotica, which I believe IP Group has quite a big stake in. Yeah. And I just sort of wondered how you viewed those companies. Are oh, your offerings quite different? Your potential offerings, I should say. Yeah, so, so let's, so I don't want to talk about a particular company because I think it's unfair on, on mm-hmm. them, but let's sort of separate the market into, into a number of areas in the microbiome market. So microbiome market is broke down into three, three areas. The first area is providing services for the microbiome industry. So this is looking at people's microbiome and judging as to whether um, that um, has a material effect on, on their health. The second group, and you touched on 4D Pharma, um, are the, the pharmaceutical groups who are creating biopharmaceuticals. Now, I took a view back in 2013, 14. That's a long route to market. It's quite high risk and quite, requires quite a lot of investment. So we haven't taken that route, but others have, and others include serious biotherapeutics. As I touched on earlier, uh, whilst I haven't taken that route, I've made certain that all the products we've developed followed a, a pharmaceutical platform. What this means, it creates an opportunity for us to license out our, um, um, our, our strain or our products to pharmaceutical groups. So they take the risk, they pay for the, uh, the benefit of that, they pay us and they pay all the development costs on all the FDA registration costs, and we get a benefit from, uh, from that. And the third group are the groups that are focusing very much on taking products to market that um, add functionality to food ingredients, and then we're fairly unique both in terms of our, our offering and the stage of our offering. We are way ahead, in my view, of any other company in this area. Well, that's really interesting, Stephen. I think probably my, my final question is really about what's next for Optibiotics. I appreciate that you haven't opted to give forecasts, but do you have any clear objectives in mind for the next year? or two years in terms of deal count, revenue generation, or indeed the spin out of other businesses that we've already touched on. And I suppose in that vein, what what degree of certainty can you give us on achieving those? Okay, so I'm glad you asked that at the at the end of the question. So because I'm I'm forecast, I'm looking to the future, you can never provide any degree of certainty because there will be factors outside our control mm-hmm. um, which will influence what we're trying to achieve. The first part to say is that we'll, we, we hope to see a, um, an increase in revenues as we, as we go forward. And that was always part of our stated strategy, okay? Um, the second part of that is about building an online consumer division, which we'll launch in the, in the autumn. Um, we've got a whole range of products now that are on the market. I'm extending the application of those uh, ingredients to a range of uh, different products with partners. So, for example, Slim Biome is our focus. We've got that in bars. We've got it in shakes. We can see that as we go forward uh, being covered into bread. We can see that covered into muesli products. And, and sorry, where, is, where are those products, products uh, being... Oh, sorry to interrupt. Where are those products being sold? I mean, you, you said they're on the market already. 
yeah, so, so if I take um, Slim Barn as an example, they're being sold um, online and they're being sold in a range of shops around the country. So, for example, okay. Whole Foods, and that's all been, they've been announced, okay? Okay. Um, but what I'm trying to get across is that whilst we focused on those initial products, shakes and bars are trying to extend the range um, and also incorporate LPLDL into our own online platform. So you increase the, the number of, of um, product opportunities on the same platform, it's our own platform. So that's the first part of, a, of enhancing revenues because you've got, you know, you've got your own online platform. The second point is to get across, we touched on earlier, the two agreements with Sweet Bartics. I think we'll have more agreements with Sweet Bartics because we've got one manufacturing partner in place um, and I think we'll have other manufacturing partners in place to go for for Sweet Bartics because Sweet Bartics, people see as one product. It's actually three products, or three different types of products. And so we see other manufacturing partners for other parts of that particular um, product portfolio. And we'll also have other application partners with Sweet Bartics. You touched on earlier a dairy partner. I think we'll have other dairy partners, other cereal partners, because they had a great opportunity in cereals. And we, got, uh, and we think there'll be opp- opportunities for other consumer products. And just sort of to touch off on the last couple of things, um, you know, I mentioned earlier that we are looking to put LPLDR as a drug product in the USA via a partner. We think we'll have a partner for that. And as I touched on earlier, um, there's a, we think that's looking like a seven-figure agreement um, before you get royalties. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we believe that um, we'll uh, be taking um, GoFigure and or SlimBiome into major supermarkets. And finally, uh, add it into the, the portfolio going forward. Well, because we built up the value of skin biotherapeutics over the last two years or so, um, we actually, since the last year, I should say, well, the last two years, um, we'll be looking to return some of that value to shareholders when it's right in terms of the, the market opportunity. So okay. a lot of things um, happen in the next 12 months, but very much a focus on building up the uh, the revenue side as we've, we we continue that shift from an R&D company to commercial company. Okay, great. So uncertain, but potentially exciting. Stephen, thank you very much for speaking today. A really useful conversation, but I'm afraid that's all we've got time for. For more of our podcasts, search for the IC in iTunes, Acast, or the Investors Chronicle website. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.